0: Sunday, December 3rd, 2023. I'm Jared Halper. Americans are spending a lot more than a few years ago, but the Biden administration says inflation
1: is easing. We have to take the lessons we learned from that episode of uh, seriously non-resilient supply chains and make sure that they stay unsnarled
2: I'm Jessica Rosenthal. The Fox News great red versus blue state debate went down between California Governor Gavin Newsom and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis this past
3: week. He needs volume. He needs he needs a bump. He needs to get back in the game. He's going in the wrong direction in the presidential. And his opponent used that against him in various times throughout the debate.
2: California's governor insists he's not running for president, at least not now.
4: Gavin Newsom is not running for president. Ron DeSantis will not be the nominee, and I agree with my governor that Ron DeSantis will be backing Trump.
0: This is the Fox News Rundown from Washington. In all the chaotic events that can dominate a president's time in office, there is a constant concerns about the economy. Simply, if Americans feel good about what they're bringing in and what things cost, approval ratings for an administration generally reflect that. The converse is just as simple. If you worry about the amount coming in isn't keeping pace with the cost of basic needs, well, you'll have approval ratings similar to what President Biden is facing right now. It's why in nearly every event he does, whether it's here in D.C. or on the road, like this past week in Colorado, the president's trying to assure Americans things are looking up.
4: We're investing in America. We're investing in Americans. And it's working.
0: Earlier in the week, President Biden convened the first meeting of a new group, the White House Council on Supply Chain Resilience.
4: On Thanksgiving two years ago, 100 container ships were waiting to dock dock in the ports. They were lined up, 100 long out into the ocean. This year, there were less than 10. Meaning that today, as folks start their holiday shopping shelves are stocked.
0: Certainly supply and demand tells us one way to keep prices low is to ensure plenty of inventory. And that's why the supply chain is so important. But it's not just a matter of making sure ships can get here. It's also a question of where those ships and where the goods they carry are from. I spoke about that with the chair of the White House Council of Economic Advisors, Jared Bernstein, who also serves on the new Supply Chain Council.
1: Very soon after we got here. So in might have been February of 21 or March, uh, the president set up something called the Supply Chain Disruption Task Force. I remember it because I was an active card-carrying member. And you may recall, if you follow this stuff, that's when we were all obsessing over dwell time, how, how long containers were spending in ports, and where there was a traffic jam in the ports of Long Beach and LA. And that task force, Uh, got to work and was very successful in early unsnarling of the supply chain. And there's very good data showing um, how uh, much not only supply chains have improved, but how important that improvement has been uh, for lowering inflation, for disinflation, especially of goods, of course. And uh, so you might say, well, uh, isn't that work behind you? But no, we have to take the lessons we learned from that episode of uh, seriously non-resilient supply chains and make sure that they stay unsnarled, make sure that all the agencies are working uh, uh, to ensure that uh, they have ongoing supply chain, uh, uh, that, that they're the supply chains they face, so HHS in terms of medicines, um, are, are smooth and unsnarled. And so we're going to build on what we've learned, build on what we've done to maintain uh, the uh, the resiliency that uh, we've helped to implement.
0: The HHS component to this it seems really important, right? Given yeah. what we learned in COVID. Um, how much of these medications that we rely on are being manufactured overseas?
1: I don't have a percentage because there's so many different medications. Um, and you know, overseas uh, covers a lot. So, what you want to be mindful of is geopolitical conflicts and pressures that you, your supply chain can embed in ways that could be destructive and and, and threaten uh, you know our security, whether it's national security or in this case, health security. So, think about China in this mm-hmm. regard. So, you, you want to diversify away from areas like that. And you know, we we have uh, in the past. Dependent on China for uh, lots of our prescription uh, drugs, so um, this is what comes under the rubric of friendshoring, making sure that uh, you're still trading because uh, nobody's talking about uh, complete domestic supply of everything. Um, but you're 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 onshoring where you can, and you're friendshoring where you need to.
0: So when you say friendshoring, that's making sure that the countries that we rely on are not countries who could like hold this over our heads.
1: Is yeah, it, so our, exactly. Our like trade, NATO
0: countries or countries that we have really good trade relationships exactly.
1: with. Exactly. Our trading partners are our friends, yes.
0: How much of inflation over the last two years, let's say, has been tied directly to the snafus in the supply chain?
1: It's funny you should ask that because we published a blog post on exactly this yesterday. Uh, and uh, we uh, we've had about 80% of our disinflation... Coming from uh, supply chain improvements, it's a little more complicated than that because in the statistical analysis we did, this is a CEA blog that I commend to everyone. I mean, it's, we've tried to write it in a way that it would be, you know, understandable to any readers. You don't have to be a, an econometrician to get it. Uh, but 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 we we interacted supply and demand. So what does that mean? Supply chains became snarled uh, because of COVID. And this is a global thing, just like the inflation was global. Uh, Supply chains became snarled at a time when demand for manufactured goods was very strong um in part this was because people were no longer interacting with in-person services and they had extra savings in part because they were spent, spending more time at home and they wanted to fix up the home office and so on and so the interaction of snarled supply chains and strong demand led to a global inflation that was uh you know high here but high uh in uh, in, in in all other advanced economies and in fact it's come down more here than it has there we've had more disinflation than those other countries And that's been good to see. And as we show, that relates to a a, a big chunk of that. The majority relates to uh, improvements in the chains.
0: You keep using this phrase disinflation. That's a Mm -hmm. little bit different than deflation, right? Because we we got the the PCE report yesterday that said that inflation was down like three and a half percent, I think, from a year ago or is at three and a half percent. But that's still up, right? Month to month that it like.
1: Well, in fact, month to month, it wasn't up. Month to month, it was zero. Uh, So it was flat. But yes, there's a difference between disinflation, which means slower inflation. So economy-wide, we've had about six percentage points of disinflation. Inflation peaked a little bit above nine percent. Last seen, it was three point two percent. So that's um, you know a sixty-five percent decline in the rate of inflation, but that's slower inflation. Where we've seen deflation, uh, which means falling prices, yeah. not falling inflation, but falling prices. Where we've seen deflation is in some goods where you really saw price spikes. So use cars, eggs, uh, uh some other dairy products. Airline fares are an interesting one because airline fares are down, I think 13% over the past year. They're actually lower than they were pre-pandemic. So there we've seen some really, I think, uh, you know, useful disinflation for people who are traveling around and wanna wanna get a little breathing room there.
0: What's the goal here? I mean, three and a half percent is under 4%. I know 4 no fall. By the way,
1: yesterday, you're, you're like the citing core standard. inflation. You're citing core inflation. Yesterday, I believe the year over year inflation was 3%, not 3.5, that's for okay. the headline,
0: yeah. But what is, so what is the goal? I mean, is it to kind of have prices continue? I mean, you want some inflation or do you want negative inflation?
1: What, what are you trying well, to Okay, you know, so that's a more complicated question than it sounds in the following sense. The institution that sets an inflation target is not the administration or the White House; it's the Federal Reserve. So the Federal Reserve has an inflation target, and uh, uh, that's 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 their that's their work. We stay out of their knitting. Um, from our perspective, um, the goal, as the President talks about it <clears throat> every time uh, he talks about the economy, is to give families more breathing room. Um, yes, we've enjoyed. Um, significant disinflation, and pretty remarkably, from an economic perspective, we've done so without giving up much at all on the unemployment rate side. Um, Implicitly, you and I have already talked about that because most of the improvement in inflation has been from normalization of supply chains. We haven't had to give up a lot on the labor market side we still have very strong gdp it grew 5% in the third quarter that's blockbuster growth we've had an unemployment rate below 4% for 21 months in a row millions of jobs so we've kept a tight labor market while having more disinflation but you know obviously if you listen to people uh people sentiments about this um you know they're 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 still um they're st- they still need more breathing room and so what the president talks about is, in terms of targets, is continuing to maintain a great economy, a strong labor market, rising real wages, while putting downward pressure on inflation and helping people with costs, directly helping people with costs, getting rid of junk fees, making sure that if you're going to a concert or checking into a hotel or renting a car. You're not getting gouged. You're not getting hit by a junk fee. Making sure that if you're buying insulin, you're paying $35 a month. That's in the IRA. Making sure that Medicare can bargain for lower prescription drug costs, helping people directly lower costs and fighting to keep inflation down as best we can. That's that's the goal.
0: Uh, and I'm glad you mentioned it, because that was where I was going to lead this. Right. Because obviously, economy or economics is one thing and, and the political perceptions, quite another. And obviously, you work in the White House. The political perception matters a, a great deal. You mm-hmm. saw, I'm sure, this report um, uh, from the Senate earlier this week um, that Americans are, are spending about eleven thousand more dollars just to maintain the same standard of living uh, from January 2021. Um, that's a lot. Right. I mean, it, 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 is there sort of a quibbling with how that analysis was done for, from the uh, Joint Economic Committee?
1: Yeah, I think that was a, a flawed piece of work that doesn't reflect people's experiences at all. Um, in fact, if you look at, you know, one of the things they're doing there is they're taking the growth in inflation um, over a bunch of years and comparing it to uh, costs without factoring in income at all or wage growth at all. Now, we've had we've had so let me let me put it this way. If you look at the increase in inflation since 2019, of course it's come down a lot over the last year, but it, it's up uh you know it's up uh, um 19%, I think, since 2019. Actually, uh if you look at, at real disposable income, that is people's incomes after taxes, um, you know, controlling for inflation, it's up 24%. So if you just look at the price side, you're going to miss. Um, gains that people have made on the income side. And in fact, disposable income, real wages, net worth, all of those uh, are up and consistently up uh, such that um, people's buying power is improving. Now, our work is not done. That 11,400 is a nonsense number, but that doesn't mean that people are feeling great. Um, We've got more work to do. And the way we do that, is to maintain the strong job market, cut costs where we can, take action against junk fees, make sure that people can afford the health care they need by lowering prescription drug costs, getting in there, and fighting for lower costs, fighting for lower profit margins, as you've heard the president do lately, while we maintain the current uh, wage and income growth. I think that's the way forward. And uh, we're on the right path, but we have to do more of that. I think when it comes to Republicans, since you brought them into the mix here, um, we should really compare what, uh, you know, what what I've just described with, um, you know, from what I can see, a policy agenda, w- which looks like it's focused on cutting taxes for the most wealthy, giving giving big breaks to big pharma as we're pushing the other way, trying to lower prescription costs and um, enabling you know, rich people to rip off the IRS. And so I think if you look at what we're trying to do versus what the folks who published this uh, Incorrect study you're trying to do, you come to a pretty different conclusion.
0: Let me finish with this, because I know I, I saw this um, and I know the president's working on trying to get more Americans and in, in really the entire market to shift more towards electric vehicles. At the same mm-hmm. time, uh, China controls an awful lot of those critical minerals needed for the batteries. There is this new uh a rule that, that's expected to go in place that would maybe ratchet back some of those uh, federal tax credits that, that folks get for EVs. How do you balance that? Right. How do you balance kind of the need to, to wean industries away from maybe hostile actors or, or nefarious actors and at the same time not have that drive up cost for consumers?
1: Well, one very direct way we do that is by providing a subsidy of $7,500 for uh, people who buy electric vehicles, uh, and that makes them cost competitive. While that, um, while that subsidy is in place, uh, we provide um, a lot of incentives for domestic production of uh, precisely uh, these components, and I'm sure you've seen, if you follow this, um, I think the latest number I saw was 600 billion of private capital building manufacturing facilities in this country in precisely this space. Electric vehicles, uh, battery production, clean energy production. Uh, these uh, create construction jobs and building all those factories, and of course, longer-term jobs once those factories are up and, standing, uh, up, up and running. But along with jobs, they're creating domestic production in precisely this space, so that we can meet the criteria set out in the legislation that you described for, for you know, domestic content requirements. Now, these domestic content requirements are phased in uh, so that uh, these these uh, companies have, a, have time to stand up. And we have to kind of walk and chew gum here. We have to um, build the airplane as we're flying it, uh, make sure that we're building this capacity uh, while we're uh, still um, importing critical minerals that we need to do this, you know, in the meantime, while we're standing up more domestic production. But that's the plan. And, you know, quite re- <laughs> the extent to which uh, it's being executed looks pretty remarkable to me.
0: Well, it'll be something that that we continue to follow. Uh, obviously, we are following the economy closely. It is a, a top priority for the president as well, and it's a top priority for voters. So we'll have a lot more to talk about in the, uh, the months uh, and years ahead. Jared, appreciate the time
1: as always. Jared, great to talk to you.
2: Fox News host Sean Hannity got California Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom to agree to a debate with Florida's Republican Governor Ron DeSantis and it was a slugfest. It began with DeSantis saying California is failing due to Newsom's leftist
3: policies. He's very good at spinning these, these tails. He's good at, at being slick and slippery. He'll, he'll tell a blizzard of lies to be able to try to mask the failures. Newsom
2: hit back explaining what he saw as his role on that debate stage.
1: I'm here uh, to tell the truth about the Biden-Harris record and also compare and contrast Ron DeSantis's record and the Republican Party's record as a point of contrast that's as different as daylight and darkness. You want to bring us back to a pre-1960s
2: world, America in reverse. At one point, Hannity asked Newsom if Biden was paying him Newsom gestured at DeSantis.
1: I thought this was state point. versus state. No, but it's about the United States of America. I thought this guy was running for president of the United States. If you are running for You th- just are won't you admit it. You're running for a third. It. You third just, third you just like won't admit running. it.
2: Newsom insists he is not. Everything from taxes, people leaving California, homelessness, crime, education, immigration, it was all on the table. But did it help or hurt DeSantis, who is actively running for president and is far behind former President Trump as Nikki Haley surges in the polls?
3: Yeah, you know, there's home court advantage, obviously. Uh, You know, it's more meaningful for him, presumably, than it is for his debating opponent.
2: Francis Suarez is the mayor of Miami, Florida, and was a Republican presidential candidate who dropped out earlier this year.
3: He needs he needs volume. He needs he needs a bump. He needs to get back in the game. He's going in the wrong direction in the presidential. And his opponent used that against him in various times throughout the debate. Uh, obviously, I believe that the facts, uh, you know, and, and Miami is a big part of what what he would call the Florida blueprint. We call it the Miami miracle. You know, where we've lowered taxes to the lowest level ever. We have we're about to finish the year with the lowest homicide rate in history. We grew 14 percent. And we have the highest wage growth in America. So the biggest city in the state of Florida uh, is thriving. And that is very different from what's happening in California. San Francisco suffering, L.A. suffering. And and my governor uh, made that point over and over and over again. Obviously, he's not I mean, I wouldn't say that he's as, as slick a debater uh, as a uh, uh, the governor from California, but he acknowledged that at the beginning. In fact, it was like you use the word like,
2: you use the word slick. Uh, DeSantis uh, actually kept saying that that every yeah. time Newsom came back at him, uh, he was slick. that. That was yeah. like the his I, line.
3: Yeah. And I think it was a smart tactic because what he was doing was he was setting up the audience to understand, look, this guy is going to try to nuance his way out of the these bad facts. Um, and he's a good debater. Right. So he's already kind of prompting the audience to know this is what the guy's strategy is going to be. And he's also kind of signaling, look, I'm not as slick. You know, I'm not as good a debater in the classic sense. I'm not going to be right, a lower the expectations, so kind of, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I think was smart. I think that was a smart tactic on his part. Um, you know, and, and he's kind of like a bulldog. You know, he's kind of like he just kind of hammers home the facts, facts, the facts. He does this new thing, which I think um, I think his debate members have taught him to do because, he, you know, he has this issue with connecting and, and personalizing. So he starts with these stories. Uh, and you've noticed this in the debates that he's constantly talking about, uh, you know, story of a story of a specific individual, either in the specific case or in the abstract. You'll say, yeah, you know, I've heard from this person. or And then he used a story, which I thought was very effective, which was the story of this person who he said had left California for X reason, Y reason, and Z reason. And then he said, and by the way, it's your, your father-in-law, you know, right. <laughs> um, which, which I thought was super effective.
2: About, tell me then though, Mayor, about, because, you know, Sean Hannity is putting up these stats and numbers. Yeah. About homelessness and outbound migration and crime and all these different yeah. things. And to your point, you know, Newsom would sort of reframe things, but the yeah. way he did it was to say, like, look, okay, California's, uh, crime rate is higher, but Florida's murder rate is higher on, on taxes. California has higher taxes. Newsom said, well, actually, Florida has a higher regressive tax, meaning lower income folks yeah. pay more yeah, yeah, of their right. money than what. Well. So did, did, do you think any of that? Landed. I mean, were those were those adequate you know,
3: points? It, 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 it's hard to say because I think the, so. You have to think of the audience, right? And if the audience are Fox News's regular viewers, and 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 you know, I, I don't know what the breakdown is, you know, of the of the ratings yet. If it's Fox News regular viewers, I would say that they would be skeptical to believe Newsom's nuanced arguments over. The statistics that, by the way, it's not just what Governor DeSantis was saying, but it's what was up on the board, right? right. Was what what was researched and what was shown to be supported by the evidence, right? So like, for example, on murders, I can tell you in Miami, and we're, you know, you notice that he did not say Miami, Gavin Newsom. He said Orlando, he said, Tampa, Hill, he said Jacksonville, Tampa, yeah. He never said Miami. And the reason why he never said Miami is because we're all trying to of so having the lowest homicide rate in recorded history. We started recording homicides in 1947. We had 32 in 1947. Right now, year to day, we have 25. We would be the seventh safest city of our size in the country on a per capita basis uh, if we were to end the year with the number that we have now. So, Mm. you know, you know, the, the thing with these things is that, you know, we live in a world now where the facts are so hard to determine, right? There's so much lack of confidence in in the media generally and i'm not saying i'm not saying fox i'm saying in the media generally <laughs> and and this narrative of 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 uh, fake news you know and and, and these debates is just it just seems like people are just going back and forth and it's, it's sometimes it's hard to understand what i would love to see is what would a what would and the reason why i would like to see this is because obviously a lot of times presidential races come down to independent voters you know it would be yeah. interesting to see what independent voters how they felt uh because obviously i think republicans would have Largely felt that DeSantis did better and Democrats, because he's articulating Democrats vision, would probably largely believe that, um, you know, that Newsom did better. But it would be interesting to see how independence uh, felt uh, after last night's debate.
2: I'll tell I'll tell our polling division you said that. So but yeah. Newsom seemed to Newsom seemed to rile up his fans. Right. With he made some comments like, um, you know, DeSantis and I have something in common. Neither of us will be the 2024 nominee. And he said, you know, how's it going Ron, yeah. when you're 41 points down in your state, it sounded like Newsom was doing a couple of things, and one of them was being a Biden surrogate to a
3: certain extent. He was, but you know what he was also being at some level? A Trump surrogate, right? Because oh. he kept saying, you know you're, you're, you know, you're losing in your state to the former president by 40 points. Uh, he tried to call him out on a COVID hypocrisy. At the beginning where, you know, Ron, uh, you know, supported lockdowns like everybody else and, and wore masks like everybody else and then sort of changed on that. Those are Trump talking points. If, if you listen to what Trump has been saying on the campaign trail, he's parroting Trump and then he threw Nikki Haley in his face. He says, why don't you just drop out and, and endorse Nikki Haley? Right. So he was kind of interestingly using Trump and Haley against DeSantis and sort of using the whole presidential race against DeSantis. I think what DeSantis tried to do at the beginning and I think did it a little bit at the end was was to try to unmask Newsom and say, hey, look, you're, you're the one that's really running for president. Let's let's get this. Mm-hmm. Let's be clear about this. Right. This is not, you know, you, you don't care about Kamala or Kamala or however you pronounce her name. What you care about is running for us, this shadow election. And, and right. that's uh, and, you know, I don't think him trying to correct DeSantis on how to pronounce the vice president's name is really something that's going to resonate. Okay, finally,
2: Mayor is is Gavin Newsom right? Is is Trump going to be the nominee?
3: The way you have to look at this, and I think the way everybody's looking at this is, we have a month until the Iowa caucus. Oh, wow, uh, you're right. Um, right now, Trump <laughs> is in a Trump is in a dominant position, thirty points up. Did yesterday do anything to change that? I think the consensus so far that I've read is no. Um, the second part is, if he wins Iowa. By 30 points, and he wins New Hampshire by 20, 25 points, and then wins in South Carolina. That kind of knocks Nikki Haley out because she's she presumably, you know, would 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 be the strongest candidate in South Carolina, right? I mean, that's her home state. So if she loses South Carolina, Super Tuesday is right after that, where Florida is a participant, and Trump is up by 40 points. So from an electoral perspective, Trump is in a dominant position. Obviously, he has four criminal trials that he has to contend with. And I think that is the, um, you know, sort of the wild card in this whole thing. So what happens if he gets indicted? I mean, if he gets convicted, right? Like, what is the next step, right? Is he allowed to stay in the race? Or does he go to jail? Um, you know, it, can he run from jail? Um, can a president be elected and be in jail? I mean, these are questions that I, 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 no one's talking about, right? Which is weird because, I mean, they're very logical questions to ask when someone is, is, is about to face a criminal trial.
2: Maybe we're all just in denial. It's, tw- it's still 2023, Mayor.
3: I think you're it's, right about that. Let us let get to 2024. Let, to to get, all all let us get through about. the holidays. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I got you. I'm with you. It's a, little uh, bit, a, lot, it's a lot to chew on.
2: Yeah, but th- but you know what, that's good, and you know what, I, you you ra- you do raise a lot of questions, and I do know there's been some addressing of 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 those. But you're right; like it will, I think, on January 3rd, we'll start talking more about all of that as we you know, sort of go it. into this and prep for it. Um, okay, well, Mayor Francis Suarez of Miami, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity.
2: During the debate, Hannity laid out data showing California with generally a higher crime rate, more homelessness, more people leaving California to go to places like Florida. Governor Newsom was asked to defend the data, but he pointed out what he saw in the numbers in an effort to paint Florida as the one with the problems. Democratic strategist and Fox News contributor Leslie Marshall agreed with the tactics.
4: It may not be the most eloquent way to say it, but I saw on Twitter somebody that said, Uh, Ron DeSantis just had Gavin Newsom's shoe surgically removed from his butt. And really, that's what I thought. Now, I know there are going to be conservatives that disagree, although um, I went out after the debate with some girlfriends, do that little weekly girls' night out thing with different girlfriends. (laughs) And uh, some of them were Republicans. And uh, some of them aren't really uh, fans of Ron DeSantis, even though they're Republicans. And um, I mean, they're all over the map, whether they're Trump or they're you Know Haley, or they don't like anybody, you know, that kind of thing, uh, or they don't like Biden, or they'd rather have Biden, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. but they, they just didn't feel that he came off strong or that he helped himself. And that DeSantis um, I,
2: didn't help himself,
4: correct? I, I, yeah, I didn't think DeSantis helped himself at all, no. And 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 I think what's interesting is there are a lot of people on the right who do what I do who would say that. In Florida, they love Ron DeSantis. But as my governor, Gavin Newsom, pointed out, he's 41 points down in his own state. So they don't love him that much or they don't love him for a national position, but perhaps just as uh, as their governor.
2: Well, let me ask you, Leslie, because, you know, there is this insistence from Governor Newsom that people are actually moving back to California. And it is true that there are some moving back. But the math does show that more have moved to Florida than have left Florida for California. Instead of addressing that... Like, I mean, the state has lost a congressional seat based on the numbers, even before COVID. He said, California has no peer. I'm a California girl born and raised. LA will always be my home. But that sounded like dismissive. Like, we're too big and great. We don't even have to answer for the middle class leaving. I know people who have left. It is real. I'm sure you do too.
4: I know people that have left. But when you look at the numbers, I don't know what numbers you're looking at. We have almost as many people coming, and ironically, from Texas. Uh, that are coming to California. And I would agree with the governor that we don't mm. have a peer. And, and 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 I don't say that from sitting in a high position. I'm a Boston girl who's a transplanted Californian, uh, different than you. Um, but I have to say uh, there are many reasons for that. Uh, and he point, I can't stand there are a number of things. Uh, first of all, you know, Ronald Reagan was a Republican and he was governor of the state of California. And when Ronald Reagan was president, became president, elected president, Gas prices were highest in California. Homelessness was highest in California. One of the reasons for that is California has um, a much higher um, cost of living. So you have big oil that get away, as they do if you look throughout the uh, country in the more affluent areas, gas prices uh, tend to be higher. And that's in the world as well. Look at London, for example. In addition to that, we have the highest population in the United States of America, and we also have the highest rental and uh, real estate prices, um, and and that certainly has contributed to homelessness, uh, especially during and post uh, pandemic. But isn't so that about then, by,
2: then, But Leslie, isn't that? A, I mean, isn't that about government? Government can can cha- can change that. That's about bureaucracy. Oh, no, to a no you can't.
4: Government. No, government cannot. Uh, dictate what the private sector does. Gavin Newsom has wanted to do for years, uh, as many Democrats have, not just here in California, uh, but what they do in London. I'm going to use that as an example. My best friend lives there. He used to spend every summer there before I had kids. And one of the things that they do in London is when they build a building, a certain percentage, five or ten percent, have to be low income. Now, of course, they use different materials. Um, you know, the back of the building, you don't have the, you know, the good views uh, necessarily for rentals or for for purchase, and th- that has not been able to go over because. You know, government can only do so much, whether it's on a state level or a federal level. You do have a private sector uh, that the government can't touch in in certain areas. and when i when i and I talk also about, but state. there are,
2: there are developers, Leslie. there are people, and we can get into it. but there there are people who've run for governor on the Republican side who've even complained about how difficult it is to build housing in California. You have to deal with coastal commissions and sequa and I mean, there there are so many more regulations when it comes to building anything and doing anything in California than in plenty of other states. Yeah, but
4: you know what bothers me sitting here in California is most of the people complaining about California don't live here, don't visit here. And my attitude is don't visit here and don't live here. When somebody runs for president, to look at what happened in their state to me is ridiculous. And let me give you an example, okay? Uh Joe Biden comes from Delaware. Did we look at Delaware and what happened in Delaware when he ran for president? No. Why? Or Ronald Reagan. It's Delaware. Because it's Reagan Delaware. No, 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 no. People love to pick on California because we're the biggest, we're the sixth largest economy in the world, and we have a lot of liberals here. And so conservatives love to, you know, pick on California. But the reality is when somebody runs for president, whether a Democrat or a Republican, they're not going to be able to run 50 state nation uh, the way they ran uh, their state. Uh, There's there's a different structure of government. Um, And certainly 50 states is different than one state. So people can sit there and they can argue, oh, California, this or Florida, that. But like my governor says, neither one of these men will be the nominee in 2024. Mm -hmm. I have people all over the Internet and I would somewhat agree, say, what was this debate about? Gavin Newsom is not running for president. Ron DeSantis will not be the nominee. And I agree with my governor that Ron DeSantis will be backing Trump, you know, in a few weeks. I agree with his predictions. So it was it was political theater, obviously showing a picture of feces. Um, I don't, you know, not, not let
2: neither. But like, that's but that's real. It might be political theater to a certain extent, but that that is real. Like we, we but it know that
4: it does not affect the voters decisions on who they're going to vote for. And you can look at debate after debate, you have debate after debate. Examples. I'll give you two. John Kerry, George Bush. All three debates, all almost all the polls show Kerry winning. Who won the presidency? George Bush. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Most polls favored Hillary Clinton. All three debates. Who won the presidency? Donald Trump. Jo- endorsements and debates do not garner votes. Maybe a few, but not enough. At the end of the day, conservatives looked at DeSantis as being stronger. Uh, progressives and liberals looked at uh, Newsom as being stronger. And just like, you know, I've always said it is a numbers game. It is not about a debate. It is about the Electoral College and the way this country is based on the numbers right now, Joe Biden would be president. And the reason for that is just the numbers. Politics and winning a seat, whether it's gubernatorial, whether it's a state legislature seat, a federal legislature seat, or the presidency, is based on numbers. And those numbers are very tight. They have been for the past few general elections, and they will be going forward until our country is not so divided. But pretty much we have almost 50 percent left, 50 percent right. It comes down to five states and a slither of independent Hmm. voters within those states that will determine the presidency. Not a debate on any network.
2: Okay, really quickly, Leslie. Newsom definitely came across as also a, not just a governor, but as a surrogate for the Biden administration. He he wanted to make it very clear he's not running. It's not him. I think he's said it again that the next in line naturally is Kamala Harris, vice president. Um, are you are you still convinced that Newsom is not running, but he may be running in 2028?
4: Absolutely. 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 He's not. Look, you know, he's he's he is uh, a fan of both uh, the president and the vice president. And he is part of a United Democratic team who backs uh, their president and their vice president who backs their incumbents, just as Republicans do. And by, by quite frankly, just as parties, Democrat and Republicans should. So do I think he will run uh, ne- next time around? Absolutely. Is he running now? Absolutely not. He's made that clear. People can keep saying it and wishing it and wanting it. People said Hillary was going to run again. She's like, I'm not running again. And she she didn't run again. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes politicians are telling the truth. (laughs) Uh,
2: Democratic strategist and Fox News contributor Leslie Marshall. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. That'll do it for this edition of the Fox News Rundown from Washington. This week, all senators get a classified briefing on Ukraine and Israel as they consider aid to both countries. And the vice president travels to Dubai, along with dozens of lawmakers for COP28, the U.N.'s climate negotiations event. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Fox News Rundown from Washington.
1: Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.